Hey, everybody, thanks for tuning in to Baxi's Musical Podcast. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to it, like it, share it with everyone you know, even complete strangers like new stuff. And if you can leave a big fat review, that would be awesome too. Also, make sure you check out Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook for regular updates of what's coming up in future episodes. Today's episode is brought to you by Metro Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram in Chicopee. Visit Metro's state-of-the-art dealership right near BJ's and Big Y Memorial Drive in Chicopee or visit MetroJeep.com and drive home in your new Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram today. Now let's begin. Let's face it, carving out a career in music is not a simple proposition. By most accounts, it never really has been. Music, like a lot of other things, is loaded with obstacles, some of which are easily avoided, Others are surrounded by treacherous real estate and bad actors. Just in this podcast alone, we've talked to people who have been mismanaged, mistreated, misrepresented, miscompensated, and misunderstood. We've also had people who are victims of bad timing, poor distribution, bad management, and horrible decisions. All of this while trying to maintain good relationships under extraordinary pressures to do things that are sometimes completely beyond your control and often beyond your better judgment. And unfortunately, those pressures become even more amplified when you happen to be really talented and you happen to be a woman. Because sadly, that can turn pretty ugly very quickly when outside sources impose an additional layer of unfair expectations upon you. And while you would like to think that in 2024, we've gotten beyond all that, we really haven't. My guest today is singer-songwriter Mariel Loveland. In 2009, Mariel helped form the band Candy Hearts a band that would release three albums and four EPs, of which he was not only the lead singer, but also the primary songwriter and lyricist. This is a band that enjoyed a decent amount of commercial success, especially on their third album, All the Ways You Let Me Down, which peaked at number eight on Billboard's Alternative New Artist charts. Spin Magazine would list their hit I Miss You as one of the top songs of 2014. And while you would like to think that Mariel and the band would have been riding high at that point in their young careers, they weren't. In fact, she has spoken openly about the abusiveness of not only the music industry, but also those who play a part in it. This included a piece that was published in the New York Times and other sources as well. In 2017, Mariel decided to go at it again. But as the band's only remaining original member, she decided to regroup and go solo with a completely new project called Best X. After releasing two EPs, including 2017's Ice Cream Antisocial and Good at Feeling Bad three years later, Mariel's Best X has just released its very first full-length album called With a Smile. And in spite of all that she has faced over the course of the last 15 years, this is, without question, the best record of her career. This is a truly incredible story from a very talented and highly respected artist. This is my conversation with Mariel Loveland from Best X and Candy Hearts on Baxi's Musical Podcast. Thank you so much for interviewing me. Oh, my gosh. It's it's my pleasure. I, I, I want to ask right out of the gate, though. You had the wedding already, right? Yeah, I did. So so what was it? Was it open bar or, or cash bar? What did you find, <laughs> did you, find you decide? Open open bar. Yeah. Did you did you see my uh, so you clearly saw my moment in the Daily Mail? I did. I saw it. And, and, <laughs> uh, 
And you know, I've been married. I've been married twice. Both times we had a open bar, and and to me, you're just asking for trouble if you can't get your American friends and family drunk at a wedding. It's uh, an East Coast vibe, I think. It to- it totally is. I mean, every you know, it, it's funny because like every every wedding you go to where it's a cash bar, you can just see this disgruntled vibe in the room. <laughs> They've already bought you a gift. The least you can do is uh, is give them a good meal and, and and a belly full of booze. You know, I think it's because though, like. I noticed this that in on the East Coast, wedding gifts are so significant, but in the UK, you get like 20 bucks. So that's why, because people are expecting the cash bar. Right. So you got to play to your audience, I guess. So tell me, how, <laughs> tell me how that, that whole thing happened. I mean, you, you created a, a bit of a international viral ruckus with that thing. Oh my gosh. I'm always creating a ruckus online. Cause if you give me a platform to say, Give me a platform to speak and I just say something that bothers someone. I don't. And it's always something like so innocent, like, oh, you know, my wedding, I'm doing this. And then everyone's like, oh, my God, what? (laughs) Um, But yeah, I went on TikTok and, you know, I started building a platform on TikTok during the uh, pandemic, like (laughs) everyone did, because I was really bored. And when I wasn't making an album, I was just like sharing my life and part of that before the album came out was that I was not only planning an album release, but I was also planning a wedding. So I was talking about that on TikTok, and, you know, there were, there was another one and I spend a lot of my life in England. So like I get both types of people reading my posts and like I've posted before about like Chinese food in England, which was like another international (laughs) scandal because people were saying that it's really bad. And it definitely can be, but it's the same <laughs> stuff we have here, which can also be bad depending true. on where you get it from. <laughs> Absolutely true. I would imagine, though, that you know, you're releasing an album and at the same time planning a wedding and going through all that. I mean, talk about a like a crunch. I mean, that just had to be. I mean, I know how, how tense it is to have a wedding without a, an album release. I can't imagine adding that as a, like an additional layer of frosting on the cake. It was so funny because I was like filming content at my wedding to promote my single that had just come out. (laughs) Um, I don't know why I did. It's just, you know, it it worked out that way. It's like my opportunity to make this album came at the same time that I like got serious with my now husband. So it all just, I mean, it takes like two years to make an album, right? And it takes like three years on average, once you're old, not when you're young, <laughs> to, to even have someone consider marrying you. <laughs> well, I, I would think I would think that uh, at the very least, uh, like a brand new CD makes a perfect you know centerpiece or a parting gift for a wedding. It, that's that's a smart thing to do. But that's it sounds like an awful lot of pressure on you to do both at I know, the same people, time. People were like, you could really get a boost in your album sales <laughs> if you if you sell the album at your wedding if you put up like a stand. What? Newlywed couple couldn't stand a merch table, right? Right. So I've been I've been listening to the new record uh, with a smile, and uh, and I've I've given a chance to do some side by side comparison, not only with the other EPs, but also the older stuff with with Candy Hearts, and 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 you know, while the old stuff is great, I, I mean I really think this is the best record of your career. Tell me a little bit about. Thank you. No, I mean I I, I mean that. Tell me a little bit I about. I think that, that too, but. <laughs> well, I, I I would hope. I'm biased. So. I would hope so. <laughs> but you know, you 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 made the transition from from one project to another. I mean, you could very easily have released this as another Candy Hearts record. You chose not to do that. 
what led to the decision to to rebrand yourself as uh, as Best X? You know, it was it was like a long decision process with like a lot of hurdles and stuff. Because when we got off of, of Warp Tour, I had such like a bad experience there. And I was like, not with the tour itself, but like certain people on it. And I was just like thinking like, I don't want to, I feel uncomfortable being in this space where women are so broadly disrespected. Mm. And I do feel a little bit validated because a recent uh, study done by the UK parliament showed the like overwhelming amount of misogyny and abuse that happens within the music industry to women. But at the time there was nothing like that. And I was just feeling like this isn't happening to anyone else. It's just happening to me. And I I don't want to be, I want to like, I need to mentally separate from it. Like I can't be part of it anymore. It's like destroying my psyche. Like the popularity of my band is not worth, you know, I already did so much more than I thought I would ever do. And it's just not worth it. If I'm going to be that much more successful and have to just tolerate this every single well, not every tour, right. but like a lot of them, something always happened. And I was thinking of ways to do that. I'm like, you know, if I start playing pop music or more singer songwriter stuff, there'll be more women to tour with and be around. So I was like, you know, I'll just rebrand the band and hopefully it won't piss fans off. And then we went on tour, our first tour as Best X. And I was like, this is not Candy Hearts. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. just not. The, ma the magic that that had, like, is not there. It's like, it feels different. Not that it didn't feel like magical or powerful or anything like that. You know, it was me on my own. But that's what I felt, me on my own. So yeah. I was like, forget it. This is going to be uh, my solo project. And actually, I'm going to say it for the first time here. Candy Hearts is releasing a new old album. Oh, cool. Probably in April. Very cool. It's a, a rarities collection. You know, one of the things that I think is so interesting about your music, and I do want to talk about the Warp Tour and about, you know, the treatment of women in, in music because I find it to be absolutely abhorrent to even think about. But, you know, one of the things that, that leaps out to me about your music is is really the lyrical content. And there's this incredibly, you know, raw you know, vulnerability to these songs. I mean, for example, I mean, I'm, I'm looking through the lyrics of... Uh, you know, tell your friends and, and die for you. I'm thinking, Jesus, could someone please be nice to this poor lady? And, <laughs> and as I'm going through some of the other things that, uh, about you, I'm wondering, well, you're writing very vulnerable lyrics. And I'm wondering if that has had any effect on how people have treated you because of that vulnerability, whether that puts you in a, in a difficult space or, or influenced how people view you. Yeah, you know, that's something I think about a lot. I think like the vulnerability that I show as an artist, you know, obviously I'm writing songs about uh, things that have bothered me. You know, there are people have treated me overwhelmingly nice. Like I would not be able to still be making music if people weren't constantly pulling favors to help me. Like I'm very blessed. But I think I like to approach my relationships in life with a vulnerability because like, you know, I feel like with myself, I'm not the best singer. I'm not the best guitar player. I really do like the lyrics that I write. And I really do think I have something to say. And I think in my life, like I can't offer people much. I don't have a lot of money. I, I don't have a lot of connections. But what I can offer is authenticity always. So if you're yeah. someone who's close to me, you're going to get that. And it does come across in my music. I don't see vulnerability as a weakness. You know, I think it's a, it's only a weakness if you allow yourself to be uh, taken advantage of of that vulnerability. 
and I've I've read the comparisons, you know, between you and Kristen Hirsch's solo work and 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 Taylor Swift for that matter, and 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 much of what the two of them have written over the years is very autobiographical. And yours is very much the same way, maybe even more so in in a lot of respects. So lyrically, when you're writing, how deep are you getting? Is there any, are you protecting yourself here or are you really just spilling it all out? You know, being a songwriter is so embarrassing (laughs) because, (laughs) because like I, I think to make the best product, the thing that I feel like will resonate the most with people, the thing that I would want to listen to is someone bearing everything, like the thoughts that we have when we're alone in our bedrooms, which is why I kind of made this entire album art centered around like a woman alone in her bedroom. I know it's novel, (laughs) but (laughs) I think that like, it's so embarrassing because I want strangers to hear that and be like, there's someone out there in the world like me, but I don't want my dad to necessarily listen to I don't know, a sexy song right. about me and be like, wait, is this real? Especially because sometimes there is a little dramatic effect that makes things seem a little bit worse. Of course. Than they might have been on paper. You know what I mean? Right. But that's part of the art of creating, you know, lyrics. You want some sort of emotional response from people. So sometimes that requires a little bit of, you know, a little bit of manipulation. But yeah. But even <laughs> but even still, I mean, you can see where some people might say, well, you know, here's a Here's a poor, depressed girl who's going through all kinds of uh, you know, terrible shit. So you it's know. just so hard because yeah. like, you know, I write these songs and it's like this person is having trouble understanding who they are or like this is my coming of age album, I feel like. So it's like yeah. a person figuring out who they are, who they are, someone who's not confident, someone who's afraid. And then I have to go on uh, radio shows like this, which I love doing and be like, you know what? I'm the I'm the best songwriter to ever exist. <laughs> Meanwhile, a year ago, I was sitting in my bedroom being like, no one's going to listen to this. This is so bad. I feel so terrible. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let, me, let me ask you about, about that. You started off somewhat as a, as a teenage poet and, and long before you ever got your hands on a, on a guitar. Tell me about the process of putting all of a sudden those words to music and, and did that come easy to you or did you find it to be like a real a real process? It felt innate almost like I don't even know how it happened. Like I always spent all of this time in like math class or car rides or whatever, like writing all of this poetry. And when I got a guitar, I just didn't even think about it. I didn't know how to play it at all. And I would just press the strings and try and figure out what sounded like a reasonable uh, sound, mm-hmm. something that was like normal sounding and try to make something out of that. It was like, I didn't even think about it. So with the autobiographical and vulnerable parts of your, your lyrics and you being a newlywed, is your husband prepared for all this? Because if my wife could write songs, I'd be in a shitload of trouble. (laughs) You know, what's funny. I think he's very British. So he's so easily embarrassed with attention. (laughs) I think it's like a cultural epidemic there. And when I wrote, I wrote the song Joyride about him and I thought it was like, oh, this is like a a really sweet love song. (laughs) And I showed it to him for the first time and he turned to me, he's like, there's a line that says, um, you know, something about the universe treating my heart like a rental car where you don't have to pay for the parts that you break. And he turns to me, he goes, (laughs) you know, that line is really inaccurate. You have to pay for what you break. 
in a rental car. And I'm like, that's what you're getting from this. <laughs> also, if you're not buying the insurance, like the dent insurance on a rental, right. you're not planning well. <laughs> and, and you still have to return the car with a full tank of gas. Yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you, uh, let me get back to, to what we were, you, you had talked about previously. As, as, I'm, as I'm preparing for this interview, I did a lot of reading about some of the things that you faced in the music industry. And you, you've spoken very publicly about it on a, on a number of occasions The the New York times piece that came out a while ago, you know, where like, for example, on the, on the warp tour, I mean, you talked about, I mean, you talked about how it was in a lot of ways, a very negative experience as any artist you want to perform in a safe space and in situations, whether it was the warp tour or, you know, any other situation, you're always walking into an unknown space, not a safe one. And Warped was not an isolated incident. And you've heard about these kinds of things before. But tell me about that, because it it just seems like, you know, as an artist, you want to be in that safe space. But if you're always looking over your shoulder to see, well, you know, what's coming up next, that must be so difficult, not just in your performance, but just, I mean, personally, so difficult to endure all that. I think in myself, there was like sort of this like disconnect Mm -hmm. where I, I wasn't, I wish I was looking over my shoulder more, but I like wasn't. And it was really only like after the backlash I got after warp Tour for like saying something that I started really paying more attention and like looking out for stuff more because it wasn't just like someone doing something bad. It was being publicly shamed in mass and like, publications that interviewed my abuser and didn't fact check anything he said, yeah. which easily verifiably false things. And I was just publicly shamed um, to the point where I was like afraid to go outside. But I think throughout my touring career, like I just sort of separated it where like in my brain, I, I don't know how I did it, but where, you know, I would be like besties with my tour mates yeah. and someone would send me a photo that I didn't want. And I'd be like, Hey, that's stupid. Stop doing that. And then I, that would just be it. Or someone would, you know, stick their hand down my pants in the green room. And I would just be like, Oh, well, you know, don't do that, man. Like you're drunk, like don't do it. And I, that would be the end of it. Like it would never, I wouldn't like look for people doing that, but it just became like, it just kept spiraling and spiraling and spiraling to the point where it's like, was impossible for me to get past it. I think like I felt before that I had been making friends and then I started to realize that like so many of these friendships were contingent on me like accepting things that I was uncomfortable with and like a lack of my own autonomy. You know, it'd be, it would be completely naive to say, well, you know, it's 2024. These things could never still be happening, but they do. And there's all kinds of degrading expectations placed on women, not just in music, but in, but in general. And then when you hear that there's like a negative backlash for your honesty and to be critical of, of somebody who may have fans or may have some level of power or influence, you know, we've been through so many of these situations in, in the past that have been very highly publicized that it's hard to imagine that things are still there in that same degree, but they really truly are and it's almost as if we leave we've learned nothing from these situations I think it's so I know I it was it's particularly shocking to me because like 
you know, I, I look back on old interviews I did where like the interview I did right after all of that happened, where I'm like crying on the phone to this man. And I'm like, I don't really want to talk about this, but like, you know, and now it's been, I've had years of distance, but I remember thinking like, well, the guy was like, surely you must've known that this, this would have happened to you like this backlash because you are a popular artist or whatever. And I was like, I don't see myself as having some crazy platform. And just because I'm a woman with a platform, I don't really see that as a reason to like be taken down. No, no. Do you know what I mean? I totally and that's am. what so many women get. I feel like if, if people view you as having a platform, they view you as something open to an insane level of criticism, um, which I guess you just got to take on the chin if you're going to make music. Well, maybe that's true, but you know, abusiveness is still abusiveness. It doesn't matter in what form it is. It's still wrong. It's still a violation. I mean, in many ways you were verbally, physically violated during these situations. And you know, the more I, you know, the more I was you know, reading up on you, like there were a couple incidents that I, that I read that I'm like, going, I, I, that I was stunned by. There was like one interview I read, Actually, I've listened to another podcast interview you had done about, and this goes back to when you were with the Candy Hearts. You were interviewing a manager, and uh, one of the, he took you aside or something like that, and, and and at one point asked you whether you had any intention of being pregnant, either now or in the future, because if you if you did, they couldn't represent you. And I heard that story. I'm going, are you freaking kidding me? I mean, I couldn't even believe that story was true. If I wasn't 22 years old when that happened, I probably would have thrown my drink in that man's face because I was like, first of all, do I look like a child bride? Right. Like I'm, I'm 22 years old. And also he didn't ask. I was like, but I looked at the men in, in my band and, and this person looked and was like, oh, well, yeah, for them too. Like uh, it's a company policy. And the person who owns that management company, which is a very successful management company is a woman. And Amazing. so that's who's like, everyone's perpetuating these things. Like it shouldn't matter if like I decide to have a child and that's certainly illegal to ask in any other industry. And also I was 22. That's gross. I mean, it's not gross to have a kid at 22. It's like gross to ask a 22 year old, like, hello, child bride. Are you planning on procreating? Like, oh, so what if I accidentally get pregnant when I wasn't planning it or I changed my mind, like you're going to drop me and that's, I ruined my career. That's not fair. Well, the thing I don't understand is, okay, so I've been, I've been buying records my entire life. I've never not bought a record because I thought that, you know, someone in the band might have a family or children as, as if like, you know, that was some sort of a liability. You're right. It's totally illegal to ask of you, but just totally inappropriate to have that be, you know, something that would either, they would either accept to represent you or, or refuse to represent you. It just, I was like, I will I was stunned say, by it. I will say this manager reps an artist who has two children. So mm. I think that it is uh, just one of those things where like, oh, well, the woman can't tour because she'll be home. So we're not going to lose money on that. Do you find that now that you're a, by and large a solo artist, um, I mean, it's, it's essentially you in, as best X. As a, oh, so yeah. as a solo artist, any of this changes? Does it make it easier to make it harder to be in control of those moments or does it make no difference at all? No, because the way that I functioned with Candy Hearts was very much that I made like 99% of the decisions. Of course, if like the people in my band did, weren't down, I, like my decision would be like 
no, we're not doing that. But like, I definitely, they accepted when I was like, Vito, we're doing it anyway. Like they were very much letting me like lead the way creatively and with business decisions and everything like that. And I was the one who handled all of our business. So I don't think that there is that much of a difference. I think the difference is now that I am much more of an adult woman uh, who is like, if someone said that to me now, I'd be like, that's very funny that you're so sexist in 2024. Maybe it is a good idea that we don't work together. Yeah. It's amazing that you would think that with all of the situations that have gone on, that there would be some evolution, that some attitudes would evolve. It's it's kind of good to hear that what has evolved is your attitude towards it, where you would you, you are much more willing to fight against it than when you're 22 and you're thinking, well, if, if I... You know, if, if I don't do what he's saying, then that may affect my career. And now you're at the point where you say, well, then hell with it. I don't need you I that think, badly. I think a lot of women are getting to that point now, especially ones who have seen success in the industry and like been through the ringer. It's much harder when you're young and you don't know the way that things work and you don't know who's going to give you opportunities and you need them. But if you look even like, was it last night, the night before at the Grammys, mm -hmm. what Phoebe Bridgers said about Neil Portnell, the ex the ex Grammys president who he was when he was like, oh, well, if women wanted to win Grammys, then they should step up. And last Jeez. night she said, oh, t I hope you I this is on the radio, so I don't know if I can say it, but like, I hope you rot in pee pee <laughs> <laughs> when you're dead. You can say you can say piss. It's it's OK. okay. It's quite, it's quite a <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just uh, it, it's just it's just stunning to me. And, 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 you know, I mean, I'm a man and, you know, I've. I, I've never been placed in that position, but I, you know, I try to be as sensitive to everybody as, as possible. So when I hear stories like this, I get really incensed by it. It's like, well, you know, I can't imagine myself ever, you know, suggesting that kind of thing. I mean, maybe words I say could be misinterpreted or whatever, but when I hear of someone accusing somebody of some level of abuse or whatever, I'm now more likely to believe the accusation than not. Uh, believe it. And then maybe that's one of those societal, you know, evolutions that we have. Like people are starting to say, well, now, wait a minute, there would be no benefit to this person, you to out this information because of the backlash that you talk about. So many people experience that backlash and don't recover from the backlash, never mind the abuse that it starts from. I would imagine that, you know, when you were getting, you know, accusing you of, you know, being a bad player in this, that had to be really so maddening and frustrating. Yeah, I honestly, it was worse than I would just rather be abused than have that happen to me. Like when I talk about it, you could see, look, I'm getting hives. I'm actually getting hives. Every I, time I talk about it with a journalist, I get hives. I do that to people. Um, that's 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 just that's okay. It happened the last call I had too. I was like, please don't like, and I had a tank top on where you could really see my chest. And I was just like, <laughs> I get hives when I talk about this because it it makes me so anxious and upset. But I, that was way worse. I would rather just have some man throw stuff at me and call me names and threaten to like ruin my career and and say that he's going to make all these packs with all of his buddies in the industry to mess up my career. I would rather that than have the the mass shaming of watching music journalists I respected liking people's tweets that I'm like a vile liar yeah. and uh, watch my follower count just like evaporate and still to this day have all of those things on the internet when they're easily fact-checked false.
right. just saying. Exactly. I sent I sent to the to the to the original because I'm unhinged now in right. my old age, to the original publication who published my abusers on fact checked expose that called me mentally ill uh, with an illness I don't have. Um, cause my, I was like, I'm so authentic. Everyone would know if I was mentally ill, how are they acting like this is some secret revelation? Anyway, right. I sent a packet of highlighted notes with like receipts of like all the verification that like all of this stuff was false. And they did finally take it down seven years later, seven years later. Really? Wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. You know, I think the thing that mm -hmm. I, that I, I really respect though, uh, about you is you, in spite of all of this, you haven't backed down. You didn't quit the music business. You've, you've taken your career and, and have done something that a lot of artists would have a very hard time doing. And that is to, to, to literally pivot from what could have been a very, you know, complacent candy hearts path forever and now try something different. I mean, to, to, to have gone through all of that to where you are now and undeterred by a lot of it and saying, you know what? Okay. This is what I do. This is what I'm here for. I'm not here for all that other foolishness. I'm here for this. I think you have to, uh, people have to respect that because it shows a tenacity and an endurance that you know most people simply never test themselves with, and and a lot of people simply don't recover from all of that. And 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 you have so I mean you must feel some level of of pride in the in the sense that you have endured all of this. Well, I am really proud. Um, I think. You know, there are still things I'll read online. Like the other day I read on a forum where someone's like, oh, well, her career is in the shitter for a number of reasons, like kind of relating to that thing that happened or whatever, like it was my fault. And, you know, that stuff will bum me out for an evening. Like I'll spend, I'll go down a rabbit hole then and spend like hours Googling about myself being like, what do people really think? And then, um, you know, I go to sleep and I wake up the next day and I have to be like, you know what? Like, I just want to make the music that I make. The thing about me, I remind myself is just, I'm going to always just be authentically myself. And like, that means that like, not everyone is going to like me because the only people everyone likes are people who are like pandering to everyone and not everyone's the same. So there's no way right. to just be yourself and have everyone like you. It's just not possible. And I don't want to live in a world where I have to be someone else. So, well, that's good. You know, with the, uh, with the new album, you know, with a smile as, as best X, what, what's the reaction from, you know, old candy hearts fans who may expect you to be doing one thing, but now you're doing something slightly different. What's, has the reaction been, you know, you know, positive that you made the change? You know, it's really interesting because like half of candy hearts fans were people who love pop music, folk music, like indie kind of early two thousands indie mm -hmm. and like nineties music. And then the other half are people who like, you know, really loud bands like the story so far um, and that side of pop punk, those people on that side are really angry, but I gotta be honest. I'd like, I'll, I'll read comments and they're like, this isn't punk. And it's like, what, why would you think that it was? And I'm like, they're mad. Um, those people were always mad at us though. I feel like they had some sort of Stockholm syndrome where they felt perhaps forced to like, like us and accept us because mm -hmm. the bands around them were our friends. Um, but they actually didn't because I, I've never read more worse things about myself as when I would get off stage right after opening for the story so far. <laughs> um, and I think that the other half of fans are really happy. Um, I love both kinds of music. I love playing both kinds of music. I do feel like Best X is a little bit more true to myself 
like sure. now as well, an adult? You know, I, I think it's in, it's really interesting because, you know, I've interviewed a, a, a bunch of people that started off in punk and then wanted kind of moving things forward. A perfect example would be like Bob Mould from Husker Du. I mean, he could have very easily have done Husker Du forever. But when I interviewed him, and I've done it a couple of times. Sugar is so much better. I, you know what? I, I, I totally I agree. <laughs> I, sugar and some of his solo work is, is absolutely genius. And when I talked to him about his first solo record, which was Workbook, it was so different. And I said, it had to be so intentional that you want to do something so different than what you had been known for. And he said, that's probably the thing that kept my whole career alive, is that I, I decided that I, that I needed to stretch out and, and, and be more than people thought I was. And I, I think the same thing would be for you. It's like you could very easily follow that path forever. But if it's not true to how you feel today, then it's really not you. Yeah, I don't want to be 40 years old and, you know, on stage singing like, oh, this man with tattoos is a ghost. Or, like, I, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to be that. Like that made sense when I was like 22, you know, yeah. when I listen to Olivia Rodrigo, I get to like relive that, but that's not where I am in my life anymore. Thank God. Thank goodness. Well, I, <laughs> I, I, like I said, I, I think the new record is great. I'm, I'm really happy that, uh, that you've endured all that, that stuff in your career and come up with something that probably is the best thing you've, you've ever done. So, you know, congratulations. It's awesome. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It's a real pleasure to talk to you today. It was really nice talking to you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Best of luck. <laughs> Thank you. The name of the new album from Best X is called With a Smile. There's also an upcoming Candy Hearts collection of rarities that'll be out later this year as well. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, remember to subscribe to it, like it, share it, rate it, tell all your friends about it. Don't forget to get regular updates on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And you can email me at Bax at rock102.com. I'd love to know what you think. Thanks to Metro Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Chickabee at MetroJeep.com. And thanks to you for listening to Baxi's Musical Podcast.